life, the universe, and everything in between. Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the Weekend Variety Wireless, the Sunday edition, after 11 o'clock this evening. The story of James McKenzie, or Jock McKenzie, pretty much anything with a J, McKenzie after it. The man that gave his name to the McKenzie country. I actually had a little bit of a weep. A tear did emerge when um, Gerard Heinrich was regaling the story of James McKenzie in court, uh, accused of sheep rustling. The evidence seems to be pretty strong, but night after night, year after year, he'd spent in the Mackenzie country and those environs with his dog, his faithful dog, just the man and his dog, inseparable until they went to court. Mackenzie wasn't speaking. He was keeping stum. And then the judge ordered, bring in the dog. Oh. He called out, bring in the dog. I saw Mackenzie start and start gnawing his fingers a moment as the crowd stared at the slim, timid little black beast that had outwitted grey old shepherds. The dog went into a frenzy when it got led into the court and saw his master. And in another minute, the slim, sad-eyed thing was scratching and whining at the woodwork, trying to get to Jock. And Jock, the dog's eyes have made a baby of him, six-footer that he was. The tears began running down and lost themselves in his red beard as he said over and over, Hey lassie, poor lassie, they got you too. Leave the dog to me, she was mine. She was doing no harm to nobody and she was a good friend to me that has no other. Leave me the poor beastie. I'll make your roads, I'll break your stone. I'll call myself thief, but let her stay. Let me have her. Oh, the love of a man for his dog. The story of James McKenzie between 11 and 12 tonight. Also tonight, why on earth do a whole bunch of penguins go somewhere stupid for no apparent reason, and it's really tough to do. It's thousands of miles long. There's nothing at the end of it. There's, they may as well stay at home, but they don't for many, many years. Well, forever, no one knew what these little Fiordland penguins did when they jumped in the water. So somebody thought, let's find out. And the results are bizarre. Okay. Grievance number 163, I think we're up to. Uh, my grievance this week. It's a very, very minor grievance, but it happened not that long ago. Somebody said, hello, Graham. Hello. What's your favourite colour? And it seems a benign enough question, but when you think about it, for God's sake, I'm channeling Bob Jones. Oh, for God's sake, Graham. My favourite colour. Why would you ask somebody that? Um, it's like saying, what's your favourite note? Oh, B-flat. I'm a big B-flat fan. I love B-flat. B-flat's marvellous, isn't it? 
Uh, oh, just give me a B-flat. I could B-flat all day. Don't like the other notes. Some of them are okay, not bad. Um, F's good. Sometimes goes with the B-flat, but really, B-flat's my favourite. Nobody ever thinks that. It's the chords, it's the textures. Favourite colours. Stupid thing. Um, some people do have favourite colours, though, and some people have, uh, you could say, a relatively harmless affliction, uh, a benign ailment, something along those lines. In fact, one songwriter so loved yellow. He wrote an entire song about yellow. We're not talking Donovan, I'm mad about Saffron, Saffron's mad about me, Call Me Mellow Yellow, which is a marvellous song. He's not particularly obsessed with yellow things, but this person is. Thank you, it was as much as I could take. I Like Yellow Things, which made it onto a compilation called The Great American Song Poem Book. Great used there just to fill a syllable. It includes some of the worst songs ever composed. That is, I Like Yellow Things, and I forget who wrote it. All right, it is... Count, Grant, 13 after 8 o'clock. Next up, Media Stick with Tamamunk. Auckland. 100.6 FM. Radio Live. You're tuned in in. to Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. The baby understands. Well, singer Fugal highs in the South. You're not on Twitter. Basically, it's a route to madness. Al-Qaeda is a lethally dangerous man. Tama Monk, hello. Hello. Your favourite colour? Oh, pass. Yeah. That person with the yellow song is just is really quite an incredible thing to devote devote an entire song into uh, an array of things that are yellow that she likes because they are that colour. Mm. But she's a she's a rare one. There's also that song that's about potatoes. I don't know if you've heard that. It just sort of goes potato, 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 oh. and it's not a kids' song. Oh, really? It's sort of a a, a, a pop star looking woman, young Ooh. woman. 
just singing about potatoes. Oh, far mm. out. Mm. Oh, well, it's one up. But from that, that could be in the yellow song, couldn't it? It could be. There you go. Um, it's, Some agria potato. It, it's one up, though, from spelling in songs, I've got to say. Yeah. It was a, a form of grievance. I think it was 157. Anyway, uh, Barbara Drever, this week, this is what happened to her. This is Barbara Drever interviewing refugees in Nauru this morning. A short time later, she was detained by local police. It's highly concerning that a journalist, a professional, well-experienced journalist doing their job can be detained at a moment's notice. And we've been urgently trying to get Barbara Drever up for a live cross, and I understand she's with us now. Good to see you there, Barb. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, just fine and dandy. Thank you, Simon. She was found alive. Yeah, she was. And she actually seemed a bit um, bemused in a way by that, didn't she? I mean, mm. the way it was introduced, uh, that was one of the things that I did think in, in the coverage of it. It was sort of introduced like it was this major undertaking that she'd been detained and and then she's kind of standing there going, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the more gulag it was probably the better for the news. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a bigger news story if you if yeah. you can go that you were locked. You know, say that you were locked up. We're crossing under now. duress. We're crossing now to Chelyabinsk yeah. uh, with Alexander Solzhenitsyn. <laughs> Are you all right? Exactly. <laughs> Bra, exactly. Da da. Thank da. you, Simon. Um, <laughs> a little bit hungry, but yeah. And I, look, I think it sounds like she stepped over the line in terms of what she was and wasn't allowed to do. Not a good look, though, to have journalists arrested in, in a free world. No, and then also subsequently was not allowed to do certain things, which I think other media perhaps were. Uh, uh, that was the impression punishment. I got, was that there were some consequences for her. Um, no goodie bag. Yeah, no goodie bag, no goodie bag. And I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I wonder how she's uh, going to fare getting back into narrow again. Yeah. Destination number one on the Pacific yeah. in the Pacific, isn't it? Now, secretly, she's probably at home going, "Thank God, I won't have to go there again." I mean, uh, really? So, uh, yeah. yes, I. Uh, but I, you've you've had a gulag experience yourself, uh, uh, Tamar Solzhenitsyn. Yes, I have. I have arrested for journalistic stuff. Yeah, arrested for being a journalist, which I wasn't, which is funny. Not arrested. Do tell. I'm all ears. I'm going to sit back. Also, not arrested. I should I should say, but. Uh, it was, I was entering America or attempting, so I'd flown into America with, with a journalist, uh, rest in peace, Robert Fidgen. He was a very senior television writer at the Herald Sun in Melbourne many years ago. He had worked at the Herald Sun for years. He was a fabulous, fabulous man. Mm. And we were going over to uh, do some interviews with um, television stars, funnily enough. I can tell you who they were because it's etched on my brain. Mm. The year was 2003, from memory, and they were the Desperate Housewives. Whoa. And Kiefer Sutherland. Mm-hmm. And I think Donnie Warburg, who at the time was in some cop show that NBC was making. Uh-huh. Anyway, it was one of these junkets that you do. So when you work at a network in Australia or New Zealand or the UK, some media get accredited to go over and do some interviews. And they have these kind of international press junkets and all the actors sit around a table with journalists from around the world and answer innocuous questions. So pretty harmless in the scheme of things. Yep. 
you know, not really kind of doing major political uh, coverage or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. Although arguably 24 might have been a little bit contentious back in the day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, for years, Australian and New Zealand and English journalists had been travelling in and out of the States. There's a, there's a visa called an I-Visa. This is a little bit boring. But anyway, there's a visa called an I-Visa, which is specifically for media, a foreign media who are living in America to have. But if you were a, a foreign-based journalist, the theory was that you didn't need it. Anyway, in 2002, because of post-9-11 American politics, there was an act, the Homeland Security Act was put into place, and that meant that they were cracking down on all of their visa laws. And I think it was late 2002 that it sort of had come into play. We arrived, I think it was January 2003, and we were one of the first wave. There was a number of journalists that had the same thing happen. Mm. Um, we, uh, we, were, we said what we were doing when we entered. Yeah, we're here to do some interviews with some actors. Right. We're in LAX, going to Hollywood. Hmm, it's a bit exciting. Mm. Well, they didn't like that, did they? Really? No. They didn't like that. And we were going for, I think, 10 days, 8 days, something like that. It was like this nothing trip. We had our return tickets. We had all the proof of of everything. But we didn't have this particular visa, which they decided, I vividly remember the the, uh, border security officer that I was dealing with at the time, his name badge said T, initial, bone. Oh, get out. True story. Must oh, it should be on the PGA tour with a with a name like that. Okay, far out. Um, so, what is what being waterboarded like? Well, <laughs> can't say that I was waterboarded, but uh, I was. We you when you fly into LAX at the time, we flew into a different terminal, so we had to get transported from the terminal to the one where you get interrogated. I'll say interrogated just because it makes it sound more interesting. For God's sake, please do. Interviewed. And got the full, I was put in handcuffs, walked through the airport. Robert wasn't because he's over 60. He was over 60 at the time. They don't handcuff people over 60. Can't handcuff. For God's sake, don't tell ISIS. But his um, shoelaces and his belt were taken off him. So poor man had to walk through LAX without his belt on. Yeah. Anyway, got the full... You know, he'd helped into the car and all that, transported to the thing, questioned. At the time, so Robert was Australian, I was on a New Zealand passport, and the other guy that was in the same interview place was from England. So there was no terrorists. It was just us. He was he was a DJ coming from London. He was going to go and play Explore or something. How did, how did the questioning go? Oh. Well, what are the, were they asking you about? What did they want to get to the bottom of? They really didn't. Uh, they're ticking boxes. Quotas. Yeah. They were ticking boxes. They they had been told that they had to enforce a rule. And subsequently, when we got flown back, so we sat for 13 hours in detention. You basically get put on the next plane back. They initially wanted, I lived in Australia at the time, they wanted to send me back to New Zealand, which was fine, but stupid. So I sort of argued the point. They sent us back to Sydney rather than Melbourne, where we lived. Mm. They don't care. They just want to get you out of the country. And it was on an Air New Zealand plane. I'll always remember the lovely Air New Zealand uh air hostess who saw us this very unlikely she'd obviously been told that she had some people being kicked out of the country so she expected Water something watered by the heat yeah yeah and then she got an, a five foot me and a white-haired old man and robert and she sat us down and said tell me everything and brought us the business class meal and the champagne and everything oh, she was delightful nice yeah 
there's something that's when you do appreciate a New Zealand accent. Isn't oh, that? On, it on really was. Oh, yeah. Something harmless to some degree about it. Anyway, oh, so right. there you go. There's my there's my Barbara Drivers. I can rival Barbara Driver for a mm. for a detainee story. Mm. Oh, I've never been detained. I was in a, a cop shop in Amsterdam, and the cops just decided to leave this table I was sat at mm. and they just left all their guns there like oh. about six really you know big powerful things that they're packing heat vander heat vander yeah and um, it must have been just a test to see if I was going to go and grab one or touch one or something and then she came back in and everything was alright yeah okay you can go wow so there you go we and got the, um, and the next I remember thing I, knew, we- I was begging oh I, I remember getting um, a, like a frozen peanut butter and jam sandwich in the detention room, and I asked for a cup of tea, but you're not allowed hot water. Oh, right. And then Robert started to write yeah. the story for the Herald Sun because it was a good story, and yeah. his ballpoint pen got taken off him. Oh. He had to write it with a vivid. Far out. Yeah. Well, There's go. all sorts of rules. Subsequently, we got an apology from the US consulate in Melbourne anyway. Oh, they got, you got a sorry? Yeah, but it doesn't matter because every time you go in, it's still a pain. So this is still hangs over you? Yeah, still hangs over. Yeah, but they were basically just enforcing the rules a bit too strongly right. at the time. There was a bunch of other BBC crew got turned back for the same reason. Molly Meldrum, in fact. Really? Yeah. Cat Stevens. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, uh, all right. I love your auctioneer. Can you describe what's going on here with the auctioneer? Yes, I can. So um, there's been some hearings in America this week with um, uh, social media, well, Twitter in particular. Jack Dorsey, the head of Twitter, was in a in a hearing with, I think, some senators about whether there's some, been some accusations that Twitter is biased against right-wing politics, basically. So there's some hearings, you know, to sort of determine whether this is the case. And there was this protester at the back of the room um, who on the audio you hear quite clearly and one of there's a, just this great reaction from one of the lawmakers. I just think it's the best way to shut down a protester. It's, mm. I've, I've actually listened to this about three times already today because it amuses me so much. All right. Then you'll need to relieve. Trump, help us. Please help us, Mr. President, before it is too late. Because Jack Dorsey is trying to influence the election, huh? to sway the election. What's she saying? I can't understand her. What? The election. That is why What's she? How about it in? 12 and a half, 15, 7 and a half, 20 dollar, 2 and a half, 5, 7 and a half, 30. Hit 30 dollar down here, 2 and a half, 5, 35, 7 and a half, 40. Hit 40 dollar, 2 and a half, 5, 5, 45, 7 and a half, 50. Hit 50 dollar down here, 2 and a half, 5, 50. Officer, will you escort this young lady out, please? Hit 2 and a half, now 5, 55, 7 and a half, 70. Up to it, have now five seventy five seven half eighty dollar to five eighty five ninety eight hundred dollar and a ten 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 a quarter one to quarter one hands and about two 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 and a quarter it two and hands and about three able to bomb three hundred it three and a quarter cut three and a quarter now half half three and a half so divide four hundred yeah, but a four, four and a quarter, four and a half. We're selling the cell phone there four and a quarter, four and a half it four and a half for seventy five five hundred five five and a quarter five and a half. I yield back. <laughs> It's just so good. I mean, this is a congressional hearing. Yeah. And that was his response. And then at the end to go, I yield back, as in I yield the floor back to the original speaker. It's just so good. I just loved it. Yeah. It he's a he's an auctioneer with 30 years' experience, apparently, as well as being, you know, a politician. It's a trick he has up his sleeve, which has proved to be very useful. Very useful. I think we should all have yeah. a trick like that just to deal with unwanted 
I mean, what a great thing. You know, when you get those people that are asking for money for you or something in the street? Yeah. Not, not, I'm not saying poor, unfortunate people. I mean the people that are collecting like for some annoying. Like when I was begging. Well, like when you were yeah. begging. Yeah, I'll just come and auction in your face. <laughs> <laughs> if you come and ask me for money, I'll just come and... <laughs> 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 All right. I had to beg at a railway station just to get some money to get out of there mm. because everything was stolen. God. That was that was in the days, wasn't it? Yeah. When you just you had nothing else. Actually, I should add, because it was two thousand three when I was in detention in LAX, I did literally get the one phone call because I couldn't use my f- my cell phone. I hadn't right. hadn't actually left the airport to get anyway. Okay. Mm. Um, just, just like this is basically a follow up to um, my grievance number one five four, but it's also a, a dire warning to the world, and that is the cult of the baby. And look, good luck to Jacinda. But the, I, I just think this doing a picture book for kids about is it Grayson Clark Grayson Gilmore Clark Clark Gayford the husband and Jacinda they're all it's it's called. Sh- don't wake the baby, and it's a picture book all about their baby, and she's a DJ, and shh, don't wake the baby, and it's, um, I wish people would think better of doing this. She's a politician. Mm. I don't, I don't, also they look like those caricatures that you get done on the street in the Gold Coast. Oh, really? You know, you know, you can, or just in sort of tourist hotspots, there's Disneyland and stuff, you can get like a drawing of your own face. Mm. With all due respect to the person that's done the illustrations, it's a little bit looks a little bit like that to me. Yeah, okay. I'm insulting you and saying with all due respect at the same time. But <laughs> yeah. th- there you go. Um, New Zealand, as New Zealand counted down to the birth of Neve Tiaraha Adun Grayford. Oh no, they haven't done that, have they? Um, book illustrator Scott Pearson was racing to meet the top secret deadline for a hush hush book. Oh, I wish you Why wouldn't race. Why is it hush hush? Uh, well, it's. I mean, why does it need to be hush hush? I know. They, they it's get just the endorsement. The they whole have to get the thing, endorsement from them. The whole thing's unnecessary. It is really unnecessary and I think misguided. Even, oh, it's just a kid's book. Yeah, even more misguided then. Mm. You don't have to do that. All right, we'll take a break and when we return, some more media stick. Oh, Australia's on form this week. Mm. Weekend Variety Wireless. Media stick, Tamar Munk in this week. Uh, oh, keeping an eye on MasterChef for the disease they got last year, which was the ice cream mm, disease. Mm. They kept it at bay. Uh, it has been Sweet Week on MasterChef, which has been great for Reese and a couple of the others. Not so much good for Barbecue Dan, though. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, Some kind of baked Alaska on the barbecue or something? I suppose you could have. Could the ice Probably, cream and barbecues then. He prefers blood. So anyway. Um, Blood ice cream. Maybe it's going to come about the ice cream obsession uh, because this happened this week. It's okay so far. They may have learnt their lesson. But. Mm-hmm. Like ice cream, Reese? My favourite food. <laughs> <laughs> I make ice cream all the time at home. I have my own little churner, so nearly every meal at my house is ice cream. No, it's not. Not nearly every meal in your house is ice cream. I am appalled. Yeah. I'm appalled. What? Yeah. Just get a tub. Yeah. Just get a tub yeah. of tip top or if you want something fancier, whatever you bloody like. Sorbet, yeah. the coconut one. Yeah. All right. Don't rubbish making your own ice cream. Now, 
New, uh, Americans coming to New Zealand um, for, for their doomsday bunkers. Yes. They've got a couple of really neat things from here. Uh, which one do you want to hear further, first, the Sam Harris podcast or I uh, think, Rod Drury? I think let's go Rod Drury because this was the original story. And th- this is the order in which I happened to stumble across both of these. So okay. I, re- I just read in the Herald earlier in the week about um, these, these super rich Americans who are buying up land and bringing over bunkers that get buried 11 metres or something into the ground for in case things all turn to custard, they're all going to turn up in their private jets in New Zealand. So this was um, a piece with Rod Drury talking about Peter Thiel, the the rich dude, Peter Thiel. Um, And yeah. You can, I think this is self-explanatory. I wouldn't have met a senior USVC that doesn't own property down here. So uh, after uh, 9-11, lots of, um, you know, very wealthy people in the US um, have brought property here. So, you know, Peter's very high profile, but there's a whole lot of people that fly underneath the radar. So if you kind of know Peter and if you've tracked him for years like I have, he was always into sort of small government. And um, he really liked that we were, you know, pr- pretty much a free market economy, fairly lightly regulated, but you know, yet low corruption and all of those good things. So you can you can imagine the um, affinity that he would have with that. He was also a big Lord of the Rings fans and all of those uh, Lord of the Rings fans, so all of those things as well. I think these people add value to New Zealand, and um, and and we should be, um, you know, trying to drive home our competitive advantage that they seem to really like us. And I sort of joke, you know, if you can give me a ten pack of passports, let me kind of pick them around. And I think that um, uh, uh, that billionaires in the U.S. do treat New Zealand as a bit of a boat hole, bolt hole. So you know, there's plenty of people that have done that. So I can understand the attraction from him, from us. And this is, you know, times have changed, but right back then. Uh, having someone like him interested in the New Zealand tech scene was absolutely huge. So, yeah, maybe we were all a bit starstruck back then. But at the time, we were just so excited, you know. And my my view is these people are net are contributors. It's just, it, to me, it's it reeks a little bit of uh, that, oh, that, they like us. Yes. Those overseas people. Yeah. Oh, they like us. I actually and think he's so making up some sh- there as well by yes. saying, oh, it's great that they're interested in New Zealand tech. Mm. My ass, yeah. they are. No. They're interested in standing somewhere near Wanaka, yes. feeling safe and looking beautiful. And having a nice wine and yes. a really good bit of meat. Yeah. All by their bloody selves. Exactly. Surrounded by razor wire, not allowed in. Yeah. Shania Twain that was dreadful when she ran on when Otago was playing Central Districts. And I think it was Craig Cumming was at the bat. She ran on and said, get off, get off, this is mine. Uh, it was not a good look, Shania. Um, it just, I just wish that New Zealand would, collectively, we need mm. a, a better sense of self, more self-esteem, so yeah. that we don't yes. feel um, so beholden to these kind of, uh, the lens of other people. Yeah. It's... And with Craig coming at bat, don't run in at point. Anything can happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so I read so. I, I read that was an article and then there was a video, that was part of the video that went with it. Yeah. So that was whenever it was, Monday morning or something. And then I happened to be listening, there was the latest episode of the Sam Harris podcast which came up also earlier this week, which I happened to be listening to and lo and behold, there's uh-huh. this... 
bright spark that is talking uh, talking to Sam Harris about digital humanism. It's quite a kind of in-depth piece and this guy advocates for deleting all your social media and all the rest of it, blah blah But he then talks about these rich people coming down here. From a different perspective, it's quite neat. Here he, here he is, Jason Lanier. You really have nothing to lose oh, by so this is Sam Harris. wealth inequality increasing to some crazy asymptote. What is the end game there? You're going to live in a compound ringed with razor wire, and you know you'll need an armed guard to go everywhere. And that's there's a kind of insular notion of wealth, which <laughs> which it doesn't depend on having happy, creative people out there on the street when you go out to get your coffee. But I mean, clearly, we're in this together on some basic level, and it's a it's a very dark notion of success that doesn't recognize that. Well, you know. I do have friends in Silicon Valley who fit within the cliche that you've described. And I have had those conversations where, and it's happened repeatedly. Somebody will come up to me and say, Hey, you have to go in with us. We're all, we're getting this compound in New Zealand. And you know, when everything falls apart here, we're all going to go to New Zealand until the rockets work. And then we can all go to Mars and we'll upload ourselves to the big computer that's orbiting Mars or whatever the fantasy is. And I'll say, wait a second. If we can fuck up a big country like the United States, what are we going to do to a little country like New Zealand? We're going to like totally trample it and make it turn to crap in three seconds. Like, like what? The problem is us, you know. Like we did this. Uh, I suspect people have read the Chrysalids too mm. by John Wyndham, where they go to sea land mm. at the end of the world mm. when things get really bad. Well, those tech billionaires probably have. Yeah. Those little science nerds, they definitely would have read that kind of carry on. Yes, by John Wyndham. Um, they, okay. Well, so I just, yeah. So it was just like in one day yeah. we had this New Zealander being quite sycophantic about the fact that these rich guys are coming down here to buy their bolt holes. And then uh, there's an American theorist talking about the, the negative consequences of it. And I think he's right. Mm. That guy, like, he, you know, it is the people, them coming down here and going to fix the problem. I am probably part of the problem, as this saying goes, because... Um, Have you got a bolt hole? No, I, the, I don't know what a bolt hole <laughs> is. It's a bunker 11 metres underground, Graham. I thought it was some financial thing, that you just had a oh, you know, head money in a bank somewhere. Oh, maybe. Oh, sorry, I don't know. Because I don't know, I wouldn't know one if I saw one. Americans could be coming in with them in their suitcases. <laughs> I wouldn't know what they were. Customs would be all over it. Got another boat, bolt hole here, Dan. <laughs> there's dogs there's dogs that sniff out bolt holes, <laughs> especially trained ones in New Zealand. Oh, please. I wish I knew what one was. Uh, okay. And more New Zealand mentioned overseas. Isn't it just so It's thrilling? just like they just we keep are, coming. We are. We're we famous. Are. I am, I said. Yeah. I've just, and now we know how Neil Diamond feels. <laughs> Don't we? Yeah. But he's on stage. In the days of the tight jeans and the long hair on one hot August night. Yeah. I am, I said, we are New Zealand. Hanson versus Hinch. Yeah, Hanson versus Hinch. So this is a Sunrise Australian morning TV interview where they just had Hanson, uh, Pauline Hanson, notorious, versus Darren Hinch, both politicians these days. Darren used to be on the radio himself. And, of course, used to be, was originally from New Zealand. Mm. Well, him and Leighton did a swap. Yeah. At about the same time. Yeah. We could swap them back. Anyway, um, this was them having a go at each other, and Hanson 
sort of pulled out one of her old classics. Yeah, they have a good go that, too, which is quite good. Yeah. I, I don't mind that at all. No, I quite like a good go. That really? was actually what got me in the yeah. first place. And then there was the New Zealand mention just to really top it all yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren, that. you are so wrong. We have been pushing about medicinal cannabis and fighting check, for this young girl in Queensland. You, you don't and know your what you're talking about. Voted As usual, it. you don't have a bloody clue what you're talking about with the ABCC I'll bill with the backpack and tax with everything, Darren. Most of the time you vote for the Greens, most of the time we had a you wouldn't have. Yes, voted please do. And you'll actually know. Listen, read my speeches that I've done on the floor of Parliament, Darren. You wouldn't have a clue. You're half asleep most of the damn time. You wouldn't have a clue what you're you talking about. You've got the of wrong. You vote for the Greens the most of the time. Look, Pauline. I'm not here to argue with you. Go and pack your bags and get on the next plane out of the country. That's where you belong. Oh, that's your usual thing to everybody. Every, every migrant, get out of the country. I've been an Australian citizen since 1980. That sort of argument is puerile, stupid Well, go back and to New Zealand, pick up your manners, Darren, and then come back when you've got some manners. What's the bird? Sorry, I'm just. No, the birds was great. I think that I think it's because Pauline lives somewhere that's a little bit in the country, in the country of the Gold Coast. Yeah, somewhere around there. I but I also I liked just this was my inference and nothing else that the manners that his manners were going to get picked up from New Zealand. Yes, not in Australia. No. No manners, there's no manners to be had none in Australia. Left, none left. <laughs> so Thank go back God, to New Zealand. God, I don't Zealand. want them to be like us. I want them to be a bit two and a half hours away by plane yeah. where they have a go. Yeah. And they've got a dog. Yeah. A big dog, usually. <laughs> and it bloody barks. Yeah. And I like them. <laughs> God's sake, don't go changing, Australia. Oh, bless. Yeah. <laughs> At least we were mentioned. Thank God for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, let's stay in Australia and let's go to Neighbours. This is awesome. Isn't it good? This is from their media stick guy. Yeah, so this is ABC Media Watch having a right good go at the um, almighty Neighbours, which has been going for 30 years. Um, and for some very, very, very clunky, what is known in the industry as integration, which is pretty much product placement. Yeah. It's shoving a big, great ad in the middle of the program in a way that is, you know, programs like The Block do it, where they go to McDonald's or whatever. MasterChef, they'll do it. There'll be ice some- Ice cream makers last ice year. Ice cream makers. There'll be some fridge or knives yeah. or somebody, you know, yeah. or some spice brand or something. Fine. Reality TV, we're used to it, right? Yeah. Drama, okay. Sopranos had Coke. I suppose we're going to go with one. You may as well. Right. Yeah. He drank check. Coke. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. It was a biggie, and he looked like he drank quite a bit of Coca Cola. Yeah. Anyway, Tony Soprano, I'm talking about. Um, you know, so it's been around in dramas, but but not. This is the. I mean, it speaks for itself. This is something. This is really quite something. But now to Ramsey Street and the 30-year-old saga that is Neighbours, in which Dr Carl has recently become curious about his family and where they came from. But then I think of the girls and, and you and Liz. It just makes me wonder who else is out there. Sounds like you found yourself a project. Problem is there's nothing online about Ron or anyone else. Oh, have you tried Ancestry? What? I, what should I? Yes! Donald Cheng at school is addicted. You should hear him going on about it at lunchtime. He reckons he's part Viking. Okay, worth a try, I guess. Yes, definitely worth a try. And as Dr. Carl discovers later in the episode, ancestry makes it all so easy. They give you hints, see these little green leaves? Yeah. You click on one of those, it takes you to options to find other people you could be related to. It's just one huge puzzle waiting to be solved. Wow, indeed.
multiple scenes in multiple episodes, plugging the brand as part of the story. Hi, got a couple of messages through Ancestry. I got a response to my message on Ancestry. Yeah, it keeps cropping up. Oh, uh, yeah. I got my interest Ancestry thing done here on air. Did you? Yeah, and because I thought it might be fun and they gave it to me for free. Uh, quite good. So it was all right. Yeah. And apparently... Sorry? No, speak English. Sorry. No comprende. I'm Spanish, apparently. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. Um, apparently there was a big clunky commercial. So that was the show, mm. that little bit of dialogue between him and his missus. And then cut to commercial break. Guess what there's an ad for? Hmm. Ancestry.com. Ancestry.com. Uh, look... I'd die a little if I was the scriptwriter. Oh, and you'd die a little if you were the actor. I mean, I'm hoping that everybody's got paid quite handsomely for that because that is a bloody ad. Yeah. That's a, that is an ad that those, even though it's the character's storyline, those mm. actors are having to deliver those lines. Yeah. And have, you, have you been to the Ancestry website? It really is quite good. It's really oh, really shut good. up. <laughs> I'm not going to bite. I'm not going to bite. <laughs> All right. No, it's pretty clunky, all right. It's very clunky. Very yeah. clunky. Yeah. I don't know. I just hope... It wasn't even subtle. I hope that Shortland Street doesn't go down that road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah same here. Um, all right. Where are we up to? Uh, oh, yeah, I've got time for this, I think, because we haven't got a New Zealand accent of the week. None past muster to be really that standout this week that I heard anyway. Oh, listeners, if you've spot one, tell me on Facebook or the email form. I need all the help I can get. This story, I actually played it during our astronomy piece yesterday with Grant Christie mm. because it has an association. I, I think you'll enjoy it. A woman lost her NASA internship after beefing with a former NASA engineer on Twitter. A woman named Naomi H. tweeted on Monday, August 20th, Everyone shut the f*** up, I got accepted for a NASA internship. While that's like huge news and absolutely something that anyone could be proud of, moderately unprofessional language for someone who's about to enter NASA, but I can kind of let it slide. As we'll be saying a couple of times over the course of the story, could have ended there, but it didn't. Nearly a full day after her original tweet, Homer Hickam replied with one word, language. Who cares, right? Some old jackass doesn't like the F-bomb? Big deal. But that's not just any old jackass. Homer Hickam is a former NASA engineer and author of the memoir Rocket Boys, which was adapted into the film October Sky starring Jake Gyllenhaal. But Naomi, who clearly hasn't done her research, a big red blaring flag for somebody about to enter the National Aeronautics Space Administration, didn't realize that. She thought she was just dealing with some Twitter troll. So she replied to Hickam, suck my and balls, I'm working at NASA. To which he responded, and I'm on the National Space Council that oversees NASA. Boom! Okay, well, it could have ended right there, but again, it didn't. Because soon after he responded, Hickam started being attacked by Naomi's followers on Twitter. NASA actually saw all this going on because of the harassment Hickam was enduring and fired Naomi H. from her internship. So. She deleted her Twitter account. But this is yet another example of social media's ability to create instant communication and oftentimes disastrous overreaction. Oh. There we go. Oh. Lovely little life lesson. Sam Harris's mate would have something to say about that. Yeah. That's all about his digital humanism thing. Yeah. I love Sam Harris's podcast, but the su- I often want to poke him with a cattle prod just to wake him up a bit more. Just a bit too much meditation, do you think? Yeah. Is well. that the issue? 
Just a bit. Do you know what my what? secret is? What? I listen to it on the phone at one and a half times um, speed. Oh, that would work. Yeah. I actually use it as a soporific. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love his podcasts, but they do work as a soporific late at night. Because, oh, now I know exactly what up. you mean. Because if I, if I ever go back to it at one normal speed, mm. it sounds like he's talking in slow-mo. That was our New Zealand accent of the week. Tama Monk. Thank you. There you go. Weekend Variety Wireless. Bullshit. Hallelujah. This is our Skeptical Thoughts. Um, we're heading it ahead of the, new, the news at nine o'clock because we can, and Susie Wiles <laughs> is here. Hello, Susie. Hello, Graham. All right. Uh, we found some wonderful woo this week. Uh, <laughs> now there are these sonic mouse and rat repellents. You plug them into the wall and they go... <laughs> they make this sound that goes... Um, do you want to tell us about it or should, do you want to hear the ad first? Let's hear the ad. Okay. I'd better play the right bit. Here we are. Where's where's the ad? Yeah, ultrasonic pest thing is what I've called it. Here they come. So are you having problems getting rid of those unwanted pests? It could be mice or rats, cockroaches, spiders, flies, fleas. It doesn't matter which, but you just want to get rid of them. Well, I'm here to tell you I have the solution. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the ultrasonic pest repeller from Pest Arrestor. I bought this thing three weeks ago and I haven't looked back. The rodents disappeared just about straight away. Uh, it did take the fleas a bit longer though, maybe a couple of weeks or so, but to be fair, it did warn us of that. You just need to plug it in, nothing more complicated than that. Uh, then you press uh, this button here, which you can see turns on these three lights. The red one tells you the electromagnetic technology is working. This will irritate the pests and force them to find somewhere else to live. If the yellow one is on, that means the anions, or sometimes called the negative ions, are working. And basically, this helps purify the air by neutralizing the airborne bacteria. And the green one is the ultrasonic technology doing its job. These ultrasonic waves make it too uncomfortable for the pets to settle. And the best part is, it's pet and child friendly. <laughs> what if you've got a pet rat? What if you've got a pet rat? Oh, well, it's fine, actually. So this week, um, a judge in the USA has allowed a class action lawsuit to go ahead mm. against a company that sells these um, these machines. Yeah. Um, and what swayed the judge were three photos of mice near and apparently relaxing on one of these devices. Oh, <laughs> and so gold. the quote from the judge is hilarious. It says, as the photographs show, mice can apparently relax comfortably under a repeller and even appear to be so drawn in by its siren song that one would scale a wall just to snooze on it. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, so the company are obviously disappointed <laughs> um, because they said there's been so much testing to show how effective they are and... Um, what they said was it's unfortunate that the photo, which had been taken by paid experts in a staged and unverifiable setting, was allowed to be included. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, there's another video. I hope you can put a link to it. It's fabulous of a guy who actually uh, tests a whole bunch of them. Um, he does it in two ways. He sets up a camera um, and, and baits a little thing with some peanut butter or something, and then he sets them all up and sort of sees whether the mice come to depending on the devices. Um, but he also, uh, he tests, uh, he uses a, as a decibel meter to see how much sound they actually make. So that should pick it up, even if it's at frequencies that we don't pick yeah. up. Uh, and it's really interesting because, like, of the four or five devices, he tries only one of them actually, like, moves the needle at all. 
Um, and then he shows uh, the mice quite happily munching on their peanut butter while this device is apparently on. So, yeah. Um, when I was a kid, my old man bought something like this yeah, because we, we didn't have the internet. And, <laughs> and well, people still – like this This lawsuit's amazing. So it was filed in 2015. Yeah. I don't know why it's taken till now to to get to the stage where it will, it's actually going to go ahead. Mm. Um, and the people who, uh, who filed it basically want to represent the people who have bought over 2.4 million of one particular brand of them. Oh, God. So people do. And Bunnings have them for sale, uh, one particular brand, $80. Really? Yeah. Bunnings? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm sure they're, they're all over the place. Well, the most hilarious thing, in a way, is that it makes no noise at all. Yeah. <laughs> it, just pl- it says it makes this ultrasonic thing. Yeah. Oh, you, you can't hear it. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that, that, that means it's working. <laughs> that You've got a good one. You've, you've got a really, really good one. That's so pretty, high. I mean, I like the fact that some companies have obviously tried to make a device that does actually do, like, that does actually emit something. Yeah. And then the others are all like, stuff that. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a light. And the it, light tells you it's working. It also shows that the if you want to play bullshit bingo, it still works in advertising because mm. it started off, gets rid of rats, Mice, yep. cockroaches. What was it? Anions, negative. <laughs> yeah, just a whole sort of science wordy salad thing yeah. at the top. You know, and if you if you're wondering whether this actually works or not, um, there are you don't have to buy the device. There are like people who've who've put up YouTube videos of hours and hours and hours of apparently kind of ultrasonic things. So you could just put that on instead. Yeah. But, it would appear that it doesn't do anything. I wonder what note it might be. B-flat's my favourite. It would have to be a note, wouldn't it? Also, folks, uh, a little later on, kind of like an addenda to Skeptical Thoughts, a book review of something called Pursue Your Dreams. Anyway, we'll find out who this cat is. I would like to reveal to you the secret to abundant health. Now, somewhere in the beginning of the Bible, it says that If you want to have abundant health, you must do the will of the Heavenly Father. If you want to have health in your bodies, you must do the will of God. If you don't know the heart of our Heavenly Father, you really don't understand what it means. Why do I have to do the will of the Father to have abundant health? And I would like to explain it to you, because in my prayers, in my studies, I kept asking God, I want to have a logical understanding of this universe. I want to have a logical understanding about spirituality, about about the Holy Spirit, about how things work through us and for us in this world. All right. Uh, We'll find out more in the next hour. Skeptical Thoughts isn't going anywhere. We're back straight after news, sport and weather, which won't take long.